Welcome to the Ad Law Access Podcast. Today, we're gonna to be talking about, from a one-on-one level, when you're engaging in a texting campaign, what hot button issues do you need to consider so that you don't get sued in a ever so popular TCPA cause of action? So with that, I'm gonna give a little bit of background on what the laws are that apply to this some practical how-tos and points to keep in mind, and then what you haven't thought about So as you develop your risk mitigation strategies. I will overall say the point that if you're engaging in telemarketing texting campaigns, this is not an area you dabble in from a legal perspective because dip your toe in without knowing the legal framework and you are very likely to get sued here. So with that, What are we even talking about from a legal perspective? Anytime you are engaging in an outbound telemarketing call or text, you immediately trigger a number of federal laws and state laws. On the federal level, you've got the FTC's telemarketing sales rule, which has a number of requirements and More importantly, it has significant civil penalties in the upwards of 41,000 per text if you get it wrong. So something you definitely want to keep an eye on to get it right. You have the TCPA and that is the buzzword because that has the private right of action that generates so many of the lawsuits. And you have every state's telemarketing laws which govern when you can send telemarketing texts or calls, including as to holidays, whether an exemption applies to a registration or bonding requirement. So you really wanna have a sense of what that legal framework is before you start with your first campaign. And if you hear from a vendor that they've got it all covered and you don't need to worry about it, I would take a very good look at the indemnification and limitation of liability section of your agreement and perhaps rethink that. So that's the legal background. Now, what does that mean in terms of your actual campaigns and things to keep in mind? Number one, is it a telemarketing campaign or is it an informational campaign? And we often see a lot of campaigns that are initially classified as strictly informational and push a little bit and you find out that The business purpose is to generate a sale. It's to induce somebody to make a purchase. You don't need to have that express language as part of the campaign. It really is about what is the intent and purpose, and that is the way the FTC looks at it, and that is the way that courts will look at it. So if you're not sure, have your lawyer take a very good look at it, and to be on the safe side, you may either A, want to classify it as a telemarketing campaign, or B, if there really is an informational intent that is the purpose for the campaign, then it may be just a matter of modifying the language that you're currently using to keep it in the informational path. If it is a telemarketing campaign, you are gonna need the belt and suspenders and extra pair of pants approach to consent and record keeping. And that means magic prescriptive language that you have that gets the necessary level of consent, prior express written consent. It is not one of those things that you can have in tiny, tiny print at the bottom of your website. This is very specific language that appears right next to the opt-in function so that somebody is clearly agreeing to give you their phone number to receive a text or phone call for that telemarketing purpose. 
if you are intending to do an informational call or text, the standard is a lot lighter. You need something to point to as evidence of consent. It doesn't need to be magic language. It can be demonstrated even by somebody's conduct. They gave you their phone number in an application and this is in response to that. At the end of the day though, you really want to know what kind of record you would point to for consent if you had to suddenly demonstrate it, such as in response to a TCPA attempted lawsuit. So this all assumes that you're using what's called an auto dialer to send out campaigns. And you may hear, for example, a vendor may say, oh, we are definitely not using an auto dialer. And anybody who says that, I would definitely ask a few follow-up questions because as of now, unfortunately, the law is not clear. There was an FCC ruling that gave some insights and guideposts to develop an argument whether you were not using an auto dialer. That got thrown out by the appellate court and so it now sits in somewhat of a purgatory position where there is no ruling. And so in the meantime, you have courts taking differing views on whether certain types of technology qualify as an auto dialer or a manual dialer. And that's important because if it's an auto dialer, then those two types of consent that I mentioned earlier are directly applicable and we're at risk of $500 up to $1,500 per call or text. And if you think about how many outbound calls or texts over several months, the dollars add up to monopoly money very, very quickly. All right, so we've talked about the federal and lightly at least on the state laws there. There is also the self-regulatory framework here. So if you are engaging in texting campaigns, you have the CTIA code and that's where we're very familiar. We see it in the text that we get currently that speak to when how many messages one might get or the frequency, such as messages may vary or up to a certain amount of messages per month. It also speaks to the instructions you have to put for the opt out and how to ask for help, stop or cancel. So take an internet search, look for the CTIA short code monitoring handbook that is your quick reference guide to the specific options on how to handle the self-regulatory required disclosures. But in short, it's you wanna make sure the campaign describes the product, gives that recurring message disclosure, links to the applicable terms and conditions and privacy policy, has the opt-out instructions, and discloses that message and data rates may apply. Now that was a mouthful, but I promise you, you can put that type of disclosure with very few characters and still meet the obligation. It is doable. So you've got the right disclosures to send out that texting campaign. What do you do then? Well, number one, you wanna have a welcome or confirmation message that goes out, reiterating the company that the person has consented to the name of the campaign or the type of campaign and how the person can opt out. After that, depending on how frequent you're sending the messages, you wanna have those opt-out instructions, if not in every text, then at least periodically. And you wanna make sure that if somebody opts out of the text, if they press stop or cancel and reply, that you in fact have a process to ensure that the campaign will stop. Surprisingly, that is an area where 
many campaigns have faced litigation because they simply did not were not able to operationalize how to respond to popular commands, very commonly uh, consumer-expected types of campaigns that should opt one out of a texting campaign. And so the more messages you send after somebody has opted out or revoked their consent, you're back at risk for a TCPA suit. The other risk mitigation measure to keep in mind is if you got consent a long time ago and you have not interacted with that phone number in quite some time, think of it as a stale prospect, as a stale customer, you just haven't interacted, but the business says, we're gonna do a whole reach out to our entire customer base or to certain segments to win them back. Give that a very close look at the pros and cons of such an approach because if you send an outbound telemarketing text or even an informational text to somebody a phone number that is since disconnected and has been reassigned to a new person, the consent doesn't travel. And so there are plenty of entrepreneurial plaintiff's attorneys who purchase prepaid phones and just wait for those phones to ring or receive texts, wait till they get, you know, a good number and then file a demand letter, send you a demand letter or file a lawsuit seeking money for all of those texts or calls for the for not having consent. So you want to make sure that you have had interaction with the phone number, the phone number, you have a high confidence, it's associated with the user, and typically that can be done because the type of campaign is set for a period of time or it's topical and or you set parameters so that if somebody does not interact uh, with the company with that phone number, you have a way to shut off those or at least identify, classify what are stale numbers and not include them as part of an active campaign. And the other point to just keep in mind is the time in which you're going to send texts. So federal and state laws prevent sending marketing text messages during marketing calls and text messages between certain hours. That tends to not apply if you have clear express consent to go outside those hours, but usually the consent you have doesn't speak to the time of day. So using just good judgment on when you're gonna send a marketing text out to somebody within typical business hours is just best, kind of good best practices. Um, certainly we get questions that, well, what if a consumer just reached out to me at 10 at night and we've got a call center ready to go? Is that okay? And I think you just need to look at each one of those particular case scenarios and make a judgment call depending on your risk tolerance and the likelihood that the practice is going to generate complaints. They generate complaints. It's a good basis for the regulators to start paying attention. And that's certainly the last thing you want to have happen. So with that, that is a 101 level on texting campaigns. Stay tuned for future Ad Law Access podcasts on other similar topics. And if you just couldn't get enough of this information, please visit our blog, adlawaccess.com, where we cover TCPA, texting, and all sorts of other marketing and privacy issues.